Well, in the spring of 1984, I was living in Kathmandu. I learned a bit of Nepali and decided to test my mettle out in the mountains. So I flew from Kathmandu uh, to Tumlingtar in far eastern Nepal. And from there I set off north on foot, intent on following the Aran Valley. It slices through eastern Nepal. It's, it's the world's deepest river gorge, all the way up to the Tibetan border, if I could make it. After a few hours on the muddy, slippery trail, I was completely exhausted and covered with leeches, and I knew I would need some help. So I stopped into a wayside town, and I was quickly able to hire a, a porter. I was like a friendly teenager named Norbu. Uh, the word Norbu means wish-fulfilling gem in Tibetan, and that's exactly what he was to me. He was also like a Sherpa Spider-Man. He just threw on my huge backpack with ease, and we set off together towards the mountains. As we walked over the course of the next couple of days, the trail became drier and also higher, and it was really this beautiful, dark, loamy earth carpeted with brilliant red rhododendron petals. One morning, while we were making breakfast together, Norbu expressed a wish to visit a nearby village called Bala. His grandparents, as it turned out, were the headman and headwoman, the Tulo Manche and Tulo Keti of the hamlet. And he hadn't seen them for like five years since he was, I don't know, like 12 years old. It would thrill them, he said, if we stopped in there for a night. Well, I was completely down with this, but with one condition. We could not allow ourselves to be a nuisance. It had been a long winter, a wet winter. Food would be very scarce. This was a poor part of Nepal. We had brought our own rations of noodles and dried meat, and we would prepare our own food. Norbu like wasn't having this. He said, they'll insist you'll be an honored guest. This is the way we do it around here. You know, you can't stop them from cooking for you. And I said, okay, okay, but just please just make sure they don't overdo it. Well, we arrived in the the mid-afternoon and and this uh, little village of Bala was an oasis of tiny mud-walled homes that are sort of uh, nestled between these high terraced hills. Really a gorgeous setting, and corn and chili peppers were hanging, drying from the rafters of the houses. As he had imagined, Norbu was greeted like a returning astronaut. Um, as for me, I was like this exotic alien who he'd brought home. And the local kids ran over to stare at my nose and tug at my beard, or maybe they were staring at my beard and tugging at my nose, and... They were, they were pinching the weird fabric, you know, of my high-end expedition parka. Well, of course, despite my protests, Norbu's grandparents, or this wizened old couple who lived in the biggest house in Bala, they insisted on preparing us dinner. Norbu gave me a flask of the local rakshi. It's really, you know, sort of triple X whiskey. And I took it and climbed up a nearby hill to watch the sun as it fell behind the the mountain peaks to the north. It was just beyond spectacular. And the more I drank, the better I felt. It was just physically, literally, emotionally, it was the high point of my life. Time passed. I finished the rakshi, (laughs) the whole bottle. And soon I heard a rhythmic ringing of a cowbell. This was the signal that dinner down below was ready. So I found my way back down to... uh, Norbu's grandparents' house. Now, there was no electricity in Bala, or really in any of these villages. The single large room of Norbu's grandparents' home was illuminated with these wonderful little ceramic dishes holding yak butter and cotton wicks. 
and the, it gave the room this just beautiful, warm glow and even this kind of yakky scent that I loved. Everybody who was anybody had been invited and they filled the low wooden benches that had been placed along the mud plastered walls. Now in the center of the room, in the center of the swept dirt floor, there was a single wooden chair draped with a silk brocade and cushioned with a hand-loomed Tibetan carpet. And this would be my place of honor. I sat down and the room fell silent. Norbu's grandmother, wearing her finest Tibetan shuba, turned from the hearth and approached me. She was carrying a very big copper tray and upon the tray there was just this mountain of rice. Next to the rice was a bowl of this beautiful, dark, thick, fragrant dal, lentil stew, very traditional food in Nepal. She'd also prepared a side dish of takari, to vegetable, in this case, boiled greens and potatoes, as well as a small bowl of spicy achar, a kind of chili paste. And atop this already bountiful offering, there was a fried egg, which is a rare treat in these remote villages. My heart almost broke when I saw the crowning touch a drumstick and thigh. The family had killed and roasted one of their precious chickens in our honor. Norbu's grandmother, uh, she put the heavy tray on my lap. All eyes were upon me. I was just totally giddy. My head was spinning from the rakshi and from the altitude. A hundred thoughts were racing through my head. Self-consciousness, fascination, gratitude. Norbu was sitting there next to his grandfather. He looked at me, he winked at me, I winked back. Just looked around the room, grinned at everybody, and just completely distractedly, without thinking at all, I crossed my legs. The tray full of food overturned and toppled onto the dirt floor. For an infinite moment, time just stood still. The room was this tableau of shocked faces, and none of them was more shocked than my own. All I wanted to do was like somehow turn back the hands of the clock, like one minute, and then it became two minutes, and then five minutes. I just finally I just leaped to my feet. Naramro, I, 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 I just yelled, staring down at the ruins of my meal on the dirt floor. Mafgarnos, this is terrible. I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, Norbu's grandfather, he stood up calmly and he walked toward me. He placed his firm hand, he gripped my shoulder, and he turned me to face his guests. Ramrocha, he stated calmly. It's fine. It's good. In fact, it's wonderful, isn't it? He scanned around the room. Isn't it? So tentatively, heads began to nod, and the guests began to breathe again. Suddenly, I understood. Here I was, this fabulously wealthy Westerner, an emissary from those powerful nation on earth. I'd blundered into Bala and been greeted with reverence, actually even awe. But in truth, I was just really nothing but another pale-faced query, you know, a foreign klutz who couldn't hold his rakshi. Well, the story stayed with me. It just haunted me, you know, uh, through the rest of the track. And when I got back to Kathmandu, I just... I started to tell my friends about it. I realized two things, that when I told them the story, I could, I could see them sort of taking on some of the shame, and I could feel myself kind of letting go of it at the same time a little bit. And I realized that it was sort of like this huge, hot thing that I was holding onto, but when I threw it out into the world and other people caught a hold of it, I somehow was rid of it, at least temporarily. In my opinion, 
this was how I really got started as a storyteller, by having to tell that story and just getting the weight of that plate off my chest. The amazing Jeff Greenwald, author of Snake Lake and all kinds of other books. We're going to have a link to jeffgreenwald.com on snapjudgment.org.